Well, I'm going to get straight to it. Today is the song of hope, Jesus. I just have to tell you, Jesus is it. Jesus is the song of hope from heaven, our help from heaven. Paul writes to the, the, the people in Colossa, Colossians 1.27. He says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Justin, what a beautiful... How'd you say it at the beginning? The world can't give us peace and... Say it again. The world can't give us peace, nor can the world take it away. That's the hope that we have in Jesus our Lord. Thank you for that. That's why we're here today. To think about, to remember that hope isn't a fleeting thing. Hope isn't beyond us. If and when we fully claim, when we enthrone Jesus as Lord of our hearts, Lord of our entire lives, then we have hope. We have the hope to keep on keeping on. Now, I want to remind you that our hope is a both and. Of course, we claim fully the hope that we have when we die and we get to see Jesus face to face. That is the hope of everlasting life. But we have the hope in the here and now. It is not a a then thing. It's a here and now. It's what I call both and. The hope we have in Jesus is not just a future thing. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his death and his resurrection, because of the blood that he shed for us, we can have hope and we can live in hope. Listen to this. Hope was not crucified with Jesus Christ. Hope was not crucified with Jesus Christ. Our story, his story, the the life of the church does not end at the crucifixion. He was raised so that we might live in hope. God sealed our hope, our victory, enthroning that forever in Jesus, our Savior, Lord, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. You know how we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's our hope, Jesus is our hope. That is how the kingdom is going to be seen on earth as in heaven. Go to Psalm 27. I'm going to start at the beginning and and read a few verses before it shows up on the screen. But I want you to hear this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Did you catch that? Not when I die and am in his presence, but I want and I desire to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What does that look like? I'm at verse 4. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. He will set me high upon the rock. That is the hope that we have in Jesus, the Messiah. Now, look at verse 13. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are you ready to claim it? That is 
I will. It's not, I think I might, if all goes well. It's a, I will. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, wait for the Lord. Hope keeps us spiritually alive. Hope is an action verb. Hope is the energy that the Holy Spirit gives us to keep on keeping on, to be in tune with Christ's presence. Listen again to what the psalmist said, take courage. Another translation says, confidently expect the Lord to act. Confidently expect the Lord to act. Now, I realize that in English, in our everyday life, the, the message of hope or even the definition of hope can be pretty abstract. In English, our definition of hope would be a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen or a feeling of trust. Now, you know I'm not a a great Bible scholar, but when you go to the Hebrew, I think it makes more sense because in the Hebrew, the root words for wait and hope are interchangeable. Hope is tikvah and wait is kavah. It means the same thing. So when we go to the Psalms or later when I, I get you to the prophet Isaiah, hope and wait can be interchanged. The meaning means to twist or to stretch, to bind together by twisting, and here comes the clincher, the tension of enduring. When we are hoping in a situation, we are hoping for something, there is tension. It is not just an easy, I'm going to sit back here and relax. It is an active tension that we are enduring with faith, We are enduring with trust. We are enduring with the belief that we are not alone, that God has promised never to leave us nor forsake us, and he means what he says. Are you with me? This is huge. All right, go to prophet Isaiah. It's a very familiar passage, but I want you to hear it now with that weight and hope interchangeably used in mind. Isaiah 40, starting with the 28th verse. Do you not know... Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. And I just have to stop there because I know most of us in this room are weary. We're weary in body, we're weary in soul, or we're weary in spirit. I know you don't want to admit it, but we are. What does scripture say? He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, those who wait upon the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hope in the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. The tension of enduring. Actively 
choosing, again, it is with intentionality, actively choosing to hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So for me, the image that came as I was praying and and preparing is that hope is a cord of faith that I don't want to lose. I need to hang on to it. And for me, that cord of faith is tied to the cross. Because if it weren't for the cross, I don't know if I would have the hope in some situations, in some circumstances of life. Like the joy of the Lord, like the peace that passes all understanding, hope is available in the here and now, but it involves waiting. It involves trusting. It's like digging your heels in deep and standing firm, choosing not to be moved when life around you is anything but pleasant, choosing not to move, not to waver when you are facing those unexpected circumstances. It's persevering. It's standing firm. It's submitting to God's will and authority. Did you hear how most every time I'm up here now that comes out? (laughs) I think God's trying to remind me. I know that. But all of us, that there is this submission to God's will, to God's authority, to which he's calling us. Embracing the unknown. Embracing the unknown and trusting that we will be given enough light for the next step. You know, one of my favorite theologians is Henry Nouwen, and I want to read you what he says about this, about hope and the light for the next step. Because most of us, as humans, we want the big picture. We want to know about tomorrow. We want to know about next month and next year and, oh, when I'm old and give me the whole picture. So this is what Henry Nouwen says. Often we want to be able to see into the future. We say, how will it be next year for me? Where will I be in five or ten years from now? Hmm. There are no answers to these questions. Mostly, we have just enough light to see the next step. What we have to do in the coming hour or the following day. The art of living, the art of living. To me, that means peace-filled, joy-filled, abundant living. The art of living is to enjoy what we can see and not complain about what remains in the dark. Enjoy what we can see, and not complain about what's in the dark. When we are able to take the next step with the hope that we will have enough light for that step, we can walk through life with joy and be surprised at how far we can go. Let's rejoice in the little light that we carry and not ask for that great big beam that would take all the shadows away. Embracing the unknown. Trusting God that we will be given enough light for the next, next step. Now, I want to tell you about a couple people in the story of the birth of Jesus that, that exhibited the hope that I'm talking about. This is all taken from Luke 2. It's after Jesus was born. 
Eight days after he was born, according to Jewish law, Mary and Joseph had to take Jesus, the baby, to be, to be circumcised and then to be named officially. So they were doing that. When they got to the temple, they met a man named Simeon. Let me tell you what scripture says about Simeon. He was a man living in Jerusalem. It says he was just, he was devout, and he was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. So we could change that with he was hoping for the coming of the Messiah. And it says in scripture that Simeon was a man that was led by the Holy Spirit. He listened for the Spirit of God and he acted when the Spirit spoke to him. Scripture says the Holy Spirit revealed to him that before he died, he would see the Messiah. He would see the Christ. So he lived each day, how do you think, expectantly. He expectantly wondered each and every day. I have a sense just when he got up, it was this, okay, God, is today the day? Is this the day? Expectantly wondering if today would be the day. It's that enduring tension of hope. He believed God's promise. He didn't know when it was going to happen, but he was expectant. And he had this sense of urgency, I think, that he knew God's word was true. One day, the Holy Spirit told him to go to the temple. He was obedient. He went to the temple, and he saw Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus, and he knew immediately he knew immediately that that was the Messiah. Can you feel that, how the Holy Spirit guided him? I'm sure the Holy Spirit um, uh, encouraged him, empowered him all those years. It doesn't tell us in Scripture how long from the point he was, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Messiah. He just knew that sometime before he died, he would get to meet him. And then in that moment, he takes Jesus in his arms. He recognized him as the Christ. He praised God and he told the people, he told Mary and Joseph, this is, this is Jesus, he is Messiah, he is the anointed one. Now, go to, go to Luke 2. He, he gave some words of wisdom. He had the gift of, the spiritual gift of word of wisdom. Luke 2 Verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what Simeon said about their baby Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Did you hear that word of wisdom, how he was speaking? He was, he was giving Mary a warning to guard her heart because Simeon knew through the power of the Holy Spirit what was going to happen. Simeon then said, hey, I'm, I'm good. Thank you, God. I mean, there's an eloquent speech that Simeon talks about. Now let your servant depart in peace because what he had, the desires, the very desires of his heart had been met. What a life of enduring. In that same passage then, there it, it speaks about a woman named Anna. 
who had been married for seven years and then her husband died. And it says then for the next 84 years, she lived at the temple. And scripture says she lived a consecrated life, fasting and praying day and night. She chose to to be so full of hope and expectant wonder that she chose to devote her life to surrender, submission, and obedience. And the Holy Spirit revealed to her, too, that she would see and that Jesus was the Messiah. So scripture says, when she saw Mary and Joseph and Jesus, she gave thanks and she testified to all who, would, who were looking for the redemption of Israel. What, what important stories of hope, of enduring with the tension, of keep on keeping on, even when I'm sure life around them was chaotic, when their circumstances became very unexpected. What powerful stories of hope. I'm going to ask Landon to come up because he has a power of story of hope. He's living it. Um, um, I'll get you this, Mike. Two years ago, I met Landon in, in Brazil. He was this guy from Arkansas. Um, he was mad. He was angry. Um, he was trying to figure out who God was and, and that kind of stuff. And gee whiz, now I see Landon, and he's this man of God who has endured the tension. So I'm just going to have him tell what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear this morning. Testing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a mess two years ago. I still am a mess, to be honest. Uh, I think anybody that lives with me could testify to that. But <laughs> um, there's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's Romans 5. I want us to receive this. I love what y'all do. I've never been in a church that says, like, the Word of God people of God. Thanks be to God. I love that. That's so cool. Um, (laughs) But here it is in in Romans 5. It says, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to read the introduction to it. So, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and so we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's a word just the hope of glory. That is an amazing, it's, it's, a, it's a now and future. I mean, the hope of the glory, the glory that surpasses all understanding from, from the greatest things to the smallest things to the subatomic level, the glory of God resides on this earth. And then this is where it gets good. Not only so, but we boast in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces patience, patience produces character, and character produces hope. And when the first time the Lord started speaking to me about this passage back in July, uh, somebody said, how does character produce hope? And so I had to pray about that. Because how does character produce hope? Because it's the character of Christ. I look up the Greek word for, for character here. It's refined. It's been placed in the fire. It's been placed in the tension. It's been refined into something that is so much more than just an aspect of your personality. It's the most beautiful 
thing to know that this is the cycle in which we live. That when we are when we are faced with suffering, when we're faced with pain, emotional, spiritual, in the mind, psychological, physical, you name it. When we're faced with pain, it produces patience. It allows us to wait. It allows us to to be more willing to walk in that place of pain. But then not only does it do that, then it produces character. Then it turns us into something that we no longer were. Two years ago, I was I, I punched a tree. I was in a surgical cast in, in Brazil because I was so angry. I was so fed up with the way my family behaved. And all I'm trying to do is get my life on track from a horrible relationship back into the will of God and going on this mission trip that I don't even know what's about to happen, nor do I know anybody that will be on it, even the people coming with me. And when I enter into that and I begin to walk in that, I begin to walk in that place of pain, the pain didn't stop when I got back from Brazil. In fact, it started. Because not only was I in the agony of what everybody did to me, I was in the agony of knowing what I was doing to myself. And so, but, but, but we don't stop there. We don't, we don't just like lay down and say, I'll never change. We stop looking at ourselves of what we've been and what we are. And we look at ourselves in the hope of, with the hope of glory of what we will become. We may not see every aspect of our character transformed into the likeness of Christ while we're on this earth. But someday we will. Because we have been justified. And when we're glorified, we will see it in full circle. So when, you, when you're faced with these, these hard things, when, sometimes it's in a job, sometimes it's in school, sometimes it's in your family, it's not going to stop. The hard things are not going to stop, you know? But when you allow it, when you change your, your disposition of thought through the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing your mind to be transformed, you can look at the very pain that you see as the thing is destroying you as the thing that is making you. As the thing that is increasing your hope. And so this cycle, once you've reached that hope, then you enter back into it. You go back into another area of suffering. And it's not that it it wasn't there before, it's just you didn't realize it. You know, I mean, it's not that your, your family problems weren't there before, you just didn't realize how dysfunctional it was because you didn't have any hope in the glory. And so once you have the hope in the glory, then you go back and you realize, oh wow, there's some other areas of my life I could have hope in. I could have hope in my marriage. I could have hope that my father will come to serve the Lord in a mighty way. I can have hope that he will change. I can have hope that he'll speak life into me instead of death because that's what he's always done. So then you realize it. And then you go through the pain. And then you, you, it's, you've been going through the pain a while. So then you enter into the patience. And then you, that patience develops a character, an aspect of Christ in your life. And then there's the hope. Then the hope comes in, the hope of what is to come, and and the manifest of it in the now. Everything happens in the Spirit first. Everything. And when that manifests into the flesh, it's a glimpse of the glory that is to come. Even the hope in the now is only a glimpse of the glory someday we get to experience. So for two, two and a half years now, I've been training my mind through the power of the Holy Spirit, to look at things in this way. And really, guys, I've only seen the fruits in the last four four or five months, honestly, you know. I mean, back in March of this year, I was dragging. I was like, Lord, I'm doing what you're calling me to do only because you called me to do it, and I'm not going to be happy anywhere else. 
you know, but, but now that I've seen some fruit come out of it, it's like all of a sudden it bursts forth. That tree grows for, you know, I read a, a, a coffee tree grows for like three to five years before the first cherry, you know? I, I love coffee, so that's why I use that. But, you know, it's, it, it takes a little time for that tree to grow, but then in a moment, it bursts forth in fruit. In a moment. And then that fruit becomes good. That fruit becomes sweeter. And then you enter into that same process. The, the, the leaves fall off. You have the winter. It's hard. You have the spring. It's getting better. And then in the summer, there's the fruit. And so once you've, once you've entered into this, uh, this cyclical way of walking in the Spirit, every year you will see new fruit burst forth. And every year it will increase until the day you're glorified. That's all I got for y'all today. <laughs> what an anointed man of God. So, band, go ahead and come on up and I'll just pose this to you. Which season of life are you in? And what do you need? What do you need from God? What is the desire of your heart? How are you, how are you feeling that God is calling you through the Spirit to respond, to obey, to, to move forward, to endure the tension? I would invite you, as we worship, to come. To have Landon pray with you, to have Brent and Kelly or, or me or one of the prayer warriors out there. If you aren't sure what's going to go on in your life and you're not sure how in the world you're going to take the next step, then let's just surrender. Let's finally submit to God and say, I can't do it, but I trust you. I will be obedient. Thank you, Jesus.